0: Welcome to the second episode of Designers Drink, the podcast where designers get together, drink, and talk about what inspires them and their creative process and what they consider to be success. Today, I'm here with Julie Gamal. Julie, you've been an integrated marketing strategist and consultant since 2009. Before that... You started a co-working business, uh, co-founded Halsoft, was a director at Excite Communities, and, cof- and founded Go Media. You're active in the Austin community as a speaker, mentor, and advocate. And you've worked with some big name clients such as Whole Foods, The Nature Conservancy, Dell, and South by Southwest. Plus, you're passionate about food, so, I know we'll be friends. (laughs) I'm going to start with a big question right off the bat. What has your experience been as a female entrepreneur? Mm. Have you found that you have had to change the way that you speak or communicate or present yourself um, in order to be taken seriously?
1: You know, I I would definitely say... Especially when I was younger, a lot. Um, I started in my garage in 1986, and that wasn't done then. So not only was I a woman, I was doing it, you know, out of a garage, which seemed somehow incredibly amateur. And and it was the tech business. I was, I mean, I was for a while. I was the Mac expert, and then the page maker expert, and. So sometimes I couldn't tell if it was because I was an entrepreneur, you know, a female entrepreneur or a woman in tech. Um and I think they collided a lot. You started uh, your
0: job out of a garage like Steve I did. Jobs. <laughs> I suppose so. That's kind of awesome. Were you also in California?
1: No, I was <laughs> here. I was here in Austin.
0: Um so as you have continued your career, I guess have you seen, have you seen the, the business world change in that women are more accepted as women or do you still feel like the same
1: rules apply? You know, I, when I'm out there, I can forget. I mean, I'm not, I certainly don't feel it constantly. Um, and I, I'm when I'm talking with potential clients, unless they're complete assholes, um, which I wouldn't work with them anyway. I don't think about it, and then something will happen. It's like, oh, oh, right, right. And, and then I'm thinking about it for a while, mm-hmm. every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of fades away. Cause, so I, think, I don't think I feel it as, const- as, as often mm-hmm. as, I, as I used to. Mm-hmm. Some of that is things have changed and improved. Some of it is um, age and experience. You know, I'm I'm going to be taken more seriously now than I was when I was 25. As a new business owner,
0: um, someone who started my business in the last year and a half, I find myself thinking about the fact that I'm a woman and whether a man would take me more seriously if I were a man a lot. And I don't know if that's just because, oh, that could be for a lot of reasons. People in the in the community talking about it, people in the world talking about it, my own um insecurities but um it's good to know that that goes away eventually
1: well it it doesn't go away it's just not as intense and not as and not as frequent it's more, sometimes sometimes it's just more subtle you know you're talking with someone and you're talking with a man and you realize he doesn't think i know what i'm talking about or he 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 thinks he knows more than me about this thing, Mm -hmm. um, when he very clearly doesn't. It's not actually a subtle one, it's more subtle than that even. Um, But yeah, it doesn't go away, it doesn't go away.
0: What are we drinking today?
1: i drinking a lovely Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough, New Zealand, called Governor's Bay. I love Sauvignon Blanc in the summer. It's nice, cool, refreshing.
0: And I chose this bottle in particular, not only because it was recommended, but because it had a better label than I,
1: the number one. I have bought wines just for the label, absolutely.
0: And I've been told by people that it's okay to choose wines and beers Maybe some other beverages based on packaging.
1: Absolutely. Worst case, it eh, wasn't so good, but often it is.
0: Yeah. And it might be the thing that's for you. Yeah. Sort of like album covers. Exactly. Design design, design matters. And design does <laughs> matter. Do you have any advice
1: for female entrepreneurs? I think, um, you know, Get to where you you've cultivated a kind of confidence so that when you're confronted with something really sexist or, or even a little sexist to be able to just stand your ground like I'm not saying let it run off your back it's not It's not like that it's it's go ahead and respond and be honest about it so you call it out like absolutely. that's sexist absolutely um. Sometimes I can do it with humor, uh, and sometimes it's just you know, mm, don't don't do that.
0: When did design get on
1: your radar? Well, you know, I my background is graphic arts. I've been a printer and a typographer, and and everything in between, but you know, stripper, pace-up artist, all that. Wait, what's a stripper? <laughs> a stripper is a, <laughs> it's very quaint. We used to, um, to make a copy of something that wasn't just a, photo, a crappy photocopier. Uh, we would take a picture of it on this flatbed camera, and out would come a plate. Or if you're doing high quality, four-color, you would take this picture, make a metal plate, Get uh, sorry, take the picture, get negatives. And stripping was using this opaque yellow paper t- and to cover any part of those negatives that didn't have copy. Okay, yeah. So you didn't go to school for design. Uh, I did not.
0: You are a self-taught designer. I'm
1: self-taught. I did not go to school.
0: Do you have a philosophy on? Like, do you respect the design programs that are happening now?
1: Um, some yes, sometimes. But I I do sometimes feel like. I've seen a lot of students or people just out of school who have not been taught in a, it's not that they've been taught poorly, it's that they haven't covered the right skill set. Mm. It used to be when it was a lot more analog, design students would come in and they'd have a portfolio of student projects, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But they would be these 24 color embossed, Gold plated designs, you know, they weren't given any parameters mm-hmm. to make something cool. It's like, that's not useful. Right. In some cases, I know they're being um, taught the tools more than the theory. Like, here's how you use Photoshop without addressing quite enough design. What is your definition of design? The reason I, I call myself an integrated marketing strategist right now is because the more design I did, the more I realized that, I mean, design has to extend back to architecture and user interface and user experience. It's like there's that's all tied together, and design is the execution of that. It's not just about making it attractive, but if, if it's made in a really useful way that is aesthetically pleasing, then, then I think you have successful design. How did you learn web strategy, digital strategy? Again, I hands-on. I built, we, Go Media, we built our first website in 1994. People hadn't heard of the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. Whole Foods was a, was a long-time client, they were one of my first clients, and uh, we were doing newsletters and uh, signage and marketing materials and even helping design stores. And I went to them and said, "We, you need a worldwide website. And they're like, a what? No, we're not going to spend money on that. And I, I bought all my clients' domains because um, none of them would, and I knew they would need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we went back, and uh, so Whole Foods said no, but we built one anyway. <laughs> For them? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, we show, showed him. Was like, look, can we put this online? They're like, um, yeah. Like, had no idea what was going on, but we got a we got um, like six inches in the Wall Street Journal. So you were like, responsible. Grocery store goes
0: online for Whole Foods first mm-hmm. website.
1: Yeah. What? Without permission. But then I went back to them after the Wall Street Journal. I was like, come on, fork it over, you know. And they paid for it. That's but I amazing. Really, it was by starting when it was you know Mozilla and and uh, go for jewels and you know it was very the web was in its infancy
0: as someone who um didn't have any formal training in design or design strategy web strategy how did you even get whole foods as a client
1: we were doing design and production Go media had a good reputation mm-hmm. and i was still at that point known as a uh, an expert on some uh, in Mac, PageMaker mm-hmm. newsletters, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and so they they called me. Their marketing direct, marketing person of some sort called me and said, "We think we need a newsletter. Um, uh, can you show us? Can you teach us PageMaker so we can do our newsletter?" I said, "Sure." And I went over there and I sat down with her, and we made her newsletter. And when that was done, she's like, "Yeah." can you just do this? You know, at the time it was a four-page, you know, 11 by 17 folded in half ivory with blue ink Mm -hmm. and some bad bitmap clip art of dolphins and, you know. um, And it grew and grew into color and slightly bigger and then it turned into the whole kind of tabloid size. Mm -hmm. And I just stayed with them. I worked real closely with, with the woman who, she's still there, I believe. Anyway, I, doing newsletters, then it was like, can we do these brochures? Then can you do the little card saying, here's how you use that tilapia, you mm-hmm. know? And then signs for the stores, and when they were designing new stores, moving to Dallas and things like that, we would be in on that because they were realizing that the you know, all those pieces need to fit together. That's for awesome. a good experience, right? Mm-hmm.
0: What book do you think that every either designer, UX, UI person, or... The inmates
1: are running the asylum, hands down. Okay. I think it's Douglas Cooper, is that right? i have to look that up. The inmates are running the asylum. It's one of those books that it's, I mean, I think it was the early, early aughts, early 2000s, um, that changed my world. It was, it was, uh, it's about user experience it was called that then even but it's what tied everything i was doing together trying to make things work trying to make things usable trying to make things fun but it was but they were somehow disparate you know i wasn't tying that into here's the process that represents what i'm do what i do mm-hmm. right i was going out in the world and i would see things and be like it doesn't have to be like that mm-hmm. and i am i can't figure this site out i am not stupid this is bad design. Mm-hmm. And when I'm helping people with, you know, whether it's friends and relatives or clients, when I'm helping them do something on their computer, one of the first things I tell them, just so you know, if you feel stupid using the software or using this website, it is not your fault. You are not stupid. Right. It's bad design.
0: Probably not you
1: their know? fault. Hey, well, <laughs> yes, there is such a thing as user error. But really, um, in most cases... You know, these are smart people feeling stupid, and that's a horrible user experience. Right, right, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. someone's trying to use your product, and their first experience is, I'm stupid, mm-hmm. I hate this. Yep. Not good.
0: My mom got an email from Book a It was advertising, like, a coupon. Like, bring it into the store, you get X number of dollars off. So she printed out the email, took it into the store, and uh, they said... No, you were supposed to click on something that wasn't labeled as a button in order to bring up the coupon, print out the coupon. And I said, that's
1: probably not your fault, mom. A month ago, maybe two months ago, I had a meeting downtown. And I parked in this parking lot behind it. Mm -hmm. And I parked, and I couldn't find my way out Mm -hmm. of the lot. I, I had to wait till a resident drove in and flag him down and say, how do I get out? And they're like, oh, like, clearly this happens a lot. Uh-huh. He's like, he parks, he's like, come on, I'll show you. And we walked down the aisle and he points, he's like, it's behind that wall. Oh. There's no sign, There's just a concrete wall. <laughs> then, so I go in, I have my meeting, and I come out and I exit. I could not figure out how to get, I have a picture of this sign. It's just like, What the fuck? I was just, I had to call customer service. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I had to call customer service. Like, I can't, I, there's like, you're supposed to punch in this code, and they have in parentheses a code. So I punched that in. It's like, Uh oh no, it's the code on your ticket. And I was putting in my credit card and it was spitting it out, but then it seemed like it took it, but the thing didn't open. And then, so I, what was the thing in parentheses for? (laughs) <laughs> like, could you not have used one, two asterisk asterisk or something? Anything, mm-hmm. anything. So, I, I get customer service help, and it's like, I know this isn't me. Holy crap! <laughs> and uh, at the end of the call, she says, "Be sure to check your bank statement, cause, so to make sure we didn't triple bill you." Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, this is this is people who don't think design is important. Mm-hmm.
0: Who try to cut corners. Pretty.
1: It was red and yellow and black and, you know, oh, unless man. Actually it actually wasn't or pretty. Or they but have it's people
0: the wrong definition don't of design.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And they don't think that piece of it matters. I have so many people who think if you started it from the design, if they come to you saying, I want design and you say, you know, we need some strategy or mm-hmm. we need a plan. And like, they don't want it. It's just websites are easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I come back with you, you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint. hmm um exactly but sometimes you come at it with here's what we need and we know how we want this machine to work and then they think we'll just do it mm-hmm. because the good design they see is invisible it just works so just make this work just do something simple right right
0: Like, do you know how much Which thought is much harder goes than into doing something, something simple something
1: complex mm-hmm. i can make you a really complicated website really fast
0: mm-hmm.
1: yep as someone
0: as a fellow like Strategist, mm-hmm. I
1: appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's something that's changing, right? People are, get, are realizing how important it is, which is a So really you feel like you thing. have seen that shift in the industry? Oh, yeah, yeah. And for me, what helped making that shift is to, to try to not ever do a single web, not to d- develop another website ever, ever again. I was having trouble selling strategy when I was coming at it from the design and development angle. hmm And I started coming at it from the design or from the strategy angle, Mm -hmm. Um, getting in there first. uh, Selling that is easier, and then moving to design than it is having design and saying, you know, you need to do all this, you need to spend all this money before you spend money Mm -hmm. on this. Um, It's easier coming at it from that angle. And I do think it's shifting.
0: I one of the clients that I've had recently, he said to me that it was between me and another um, provider. And the, why he chose me was because I said strategy and I emphasized strategy before talking about building him anything, yeah. and he appreciated that. Yeah. So that's why. And he not learned. everyone does, but mm-hmm. those are going to
1: be the better clients, right? For sure. Yeah. They're going to be, they're gonna be the ones who, value what you do.
0: Another part of your bio that really stood out to me, Um, after Excite, you spent two years traveling. Uh,
1: I did, um, actually it was sort of during and after Excite. Um, After about two years, a little over two years at Excite, um, it was pretty grueling. I mean, it was a blast, but it was long, crazy hours. It was really intense. And uh, they pretty much insisted all the senior people... They insisted, you have to take a sabbatical. Oh, nice. You have to take a sabbatical. And I was like, well, okay. And I had only been out of the country once. I'd been to Israel on business thing, and then I went to Prague for a week as vacation. But that was it. And uh, I went to a travel agency, this cool travel fest, it was a really cool place, and said, well, what would it cost me to fly business class to Paris and then home from New Zealand? said, well, you know, if you're going to do that, you might as well just get around the world ticket. I was like, huh, really? And it was, you could get these tickets that um, you could stop as many times and anywhere you wanted as long as you kept going the same direction. And uh, two weeks later, I was on a plane. And uh, I didn't do any planning. I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I literally, I got to Paris and went to the train station and said... You know what's the first train south, and uh, it was it was a hell of an adventure. I so it was four months, I was gone. I followed the summer around the globe, and uh, it was amazing. It was profound. Wow. It was profound. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And when I came back, um, the culture shock coming back was big, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I did a bunch of traveling. I did uh, Southern Africa and uh, different places in Europe and did a bunch of diving. Went, went diving with white shark, great wow. white sharks. It was awesome. Um, yeah, I just was adventuring for a while. That
0: sounds amazing. 2017 is going to be my year of a digital nomad life. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm planning on going all over the world. Cool. Uh, working out Do of it. hopefully finding... I want to go places where there are co-working spaces Mm -hmm. already Mm -hmm. so that I can network and have, like, a community and have internet and, you know, things that are kind of important to business.
1: When I did my trip, there was, you know, I didn't have, there were no phones, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a computer, but there were internet cafes, Mm -hmm. totally unreliable. But Mm -hmm. every so often, I'd find one, and that's when I'd do an email home, you know. And um, there's a place in Turkey, Bodrum, Turkey. It's a little tourist place. Down the coast uh, and there was an internet cafe and I have a lifetime membership there, really, because I fixed their network oh <laughs> that's awesome
0: <laughs> So how did your traveling influence
1: your design or your oh, goals I, as a person? I, I, just enormously I think i things that inspire me about design are sometimes it is design, oh, this is nicely designed, but it's often more architecture and illustration and industrial design. For some, somehow that informs a lot of my graphic design, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and traveling, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, everything from just the ruins. I just, I loved seeing the ruins. Yeah. And, um, and then just some, you know, I would alternate between youth hostels and five-star hotels and, you know, all sorts of different things. And I, I just... I was exposed to so much different, not just culture, but design and architecture, and um, yeah, I felt I just soaked it in. And sometimes it was the nature. Sometimes it was uh, Cinque Terre in Italy, sitting at the shore, watching the water with this like pink and blue and black and yellow, and just it for a while. It be- it became like my favorite palette, mm. color palette, you mm-hmm. know, and and um yeah some of the, the nature and just the beauty in new zealand i think all that it, it all started to really inform uh my aesthetic design for sure that's cool yeah
0: so burnout is one of the things that i wanted to ask you about yeah how you uh, went to culinary school because you needed a change and it
1: you was, needed a break the way that came about I was, I could always cook a little, but it always was a chore. And it was just like, oh, if I'm just doing it for myself, or it's just, it's just, it was just a chore. And I had, started uh, Weight Watchers. It was like, the only way this is going to work is if I can have some decent food. So I started cooking some. I started really getting into it. And then watching the cooking shows, you know, and having these fantasies about going to school or being a chef. And and I would tell myself, it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous, you know, and. But I hunted around on the web and I found a local school that's only a year, you know, and it's, you know, a quarter or a third of the cost of the big two-year culinary schools. And I did those, chat with someone online, and and it wasn't a bot, it was a real person. And uh, I had been, so I'd been looking at the site. I get this email, referred from a friend, saying, hey, um, I know this is probably not your kind of project, it's pretty small, but... Someone really fucked up my website and can you fix it? I'm sure it'll only take a couple hours. And I was like, how do you know how long it'll take? And I'm like, I'm slamming on the keyboard and I'm scowling and I'm pissed off. And I was like, I'm so tired of this. And then I'm on the website at Escoffier, it's the August Escoffier School of Culinary Arts. And I did the live chat thing. And I realized I was sitting up straight and smiling. It's like, you know, this would be a really good thing. And I was, I was waiting for a house to sell for, and before I was going to have enough to be able to do that. Like, you know, if I'm still this excited about it after I sell my house, I'm going to do it. And that actually ended up being like nine months. But I was still that excited. And I went. And it was so fun. And that has informed my design. How so? Um, plating food is... There's ways to make it beautiful, and, and beauty is a part of taste. Like how a food how food looks to some extent informs how it tastes. Sure. And I'm like I'm okay at it, but there are people who are really good at it. There's a pastry class next door. We did a little of that, but I mean they're artists, you know. And it was a different, you know, it's a different, uh, it's a different venue. It's a different it's different materials, and it just like all that stuff, I just kind of it just kind of soaks into me mm-hmm. and inevitably um, influences what I do, mm-hmm. how I design.: What are you working on these days, design-wise? Um, design-wise, I'm I have a very good friend who's opening a coffee trailer, so I'm doing all her marketing and design. Catahoula Mamas. Catahoula Mamas.
0: On Oldorf at the ABGB. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, if you're in Austin, go check it out. Is it open yet? It's opening um, August 6th. So I'm doing that. And then I also have, it's not so much design. It's more strategy. But it's a really cool gig. I'm doing uh, marketing and content strategy for Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's really fun.
0: let's talk about co-working. Okay. So I know that your co-working endeavor was a little bittersweet. Uh, You could say that. But I'd love to hear your general thoughts on co-working and where you think it should go over the next few
1: years. Hmm, Interesting. I thought at the time when I was starting Launchpad, it was, you know, a little too soon, I think. Um, I felt like it's the future of work. It's whether people are traveling with their company or companies need to expand and they don't have room for new employees and there's entrepreneurs. I felt like it was the future. And I I think it is. And there's, Mm -hmm. what I think what we're, you know, now we're seeing uh, co-working spaces that specialize in different things and some are focused more on, you work for someone and you need a meeting space. Some are focused on entrepreneurs and different types of entrepreneurs. Mm I think it's wonderful. I, I I wish. Well, there's a lot of things that happened with Launchpad. One of them is I wish I would have started a year later. I think it was just so we were building out a really high end, like Think Apple, beautiful beautiful architecture, and um and it was too soon for that. Mm-hmm. There were, at the time when I started, there were no other co-working spaces. Conjuncture had opened up. Oh, about six months or nine months before we were supposed to open.
0: So you would have been the first co-working space in Austin had it launched?
1: Well, we would have been the second. I mean, in in there, I mean, the first co-working spaces were pretty simple, right? House, bunch of tables, give us a couple hundred bucks a month. And we were building out something, you know, much more commercial, really, Mm -hmm. than that. Um, So even if we had opened, it would have been after conjunctured. I'm also
0: grateful that you included a quote unquote failure mm-hmm. on your LinkedIn, um, probably some other places, but about the co working yeah. space. Yeah. Um, everyone fails, mm-hmm. sometimes because of our own shortcomings yep. and sometimes because of things that are outside of our control. Yeah, it was both those. But so few people, it feels like, are brave enough to talk about them. Um, this morning, I was listening to J.K. Rowling. Author of the Harry Potter series, speak about her failures and how they directly contributed to her ability and desire and determination to focus on starting the Harry Potter series, completing it. And she learned about this determination that she had inside of her that she didn't know about. Um, She said, and I quote, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you have already failed by default,
1: hmm. which I think is so like powerful. That. You know, I, I mean, the whole Launchpad experience was very painful. It was very painful. And um, it was quite a while, maybe even a year before I publicly told the story. It wasn't that I was like, I didn't hide it from anyone. I just wasn't doing things publicly much. And there was a group called Sharp Skirts. It was was women entrepreneurs. Okay. And they asked me to speak at a monthly meeting. And it was just, there were maybe 30 women there. And I told the story. I told the whole story. And it was very cathartic. But many of the women came up to me after and said, you know, thank you for telling us a failure. It's like we're all, you know, here we're entrepreneurs and all we hear are massive success stories. Mm-hmm. And even the ones where you know there were failures, they, they just brush that aside and, you know, it doesn't do anyone any service. It's right. like, of course there are failures. Right. And, and uh, I'm a lot smarter now <laughs> than I was, you know, before. Yeah. Before and it, it's painful.
0: So on the flip side of
1: failure, what do you consider to be success? In my professional career, certainly Go Media was a smashing success. You know, I sold it. And I actually didn't sell it for much money, but the stock took off, right? I mean, it was, so I had no idea. There was no, I didn't get rich selling it. I get rich later when the stock split and split and split, right? the excite stock yeah for me success was not i made a lot of money that was never really on my radar i didn't grow up with money i didn't it's like money's nice I, but i just did, i didn't have this goal of being rich right but the success it felt like success because i felt recognized mm. uh, and valued for the work i did and you know along with that goes you know the kind of squishy stuff of helping people be successful and all that but really it was it was um it was an acknowledgement of i'm you know i like everyone else i have my own insecurities right it's an acknowledgement of you're really good mm-hmm. you're at the top of your field right and therefore we want to work with you we want to mm-hmm. buy you we want to whatever right so to me that's success and of course there has to be some money with that i mean i'm not interested in living poor at all yeah (laughs) but but that's the primary part for me is validation
0: still your definition of success um
1: yeah yeah um it's that and what goes along with that kind that success is having the great fortune to be able to pick and choose yeah you know Mm -hmm. um I can say no to assholes. Mm -hmm. Um, I can say no to very nice people who really have no idea what goes into what we do. Um, So, yeah, it's, yeah, validation, absolutely. Validation is a big part, big part of success. I would say money is second at least, or maybe third. There's probably another second one in there. But I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to have the money I used to have. No? Mm-mm. Why? It was the loneliest time of my life. And I, it made me less creative. You know, it's like, I'm, I, when I started Go Media, well, before I knew it was a company, it's like I was doing stuff because I had to. I have to make this work. I have to make this work. And I could just pay people to do shit. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about Austin Freenet. Oh, yeah. Your co-founder. That was cool. I am co-founder. Of Austin Freenet. Yeah. Which aims to bring community computing to traditionally underserved markets
1: in Austin. Correct. Tell me more. Um, it was 1995, and there was a national group called, that was Freenet. And you could get a franchise for your city. And what they were doing at the time it was basically free dial tone. It's was like, you know, if people can't afford dial tone, they probably can't afford computers. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of reinvented what Freenet was going to be in Austin. And we started getting, uh, we got uh, companies mostly to donate computers. And we started um, wiring libraries. We wired all the libraries in Austin. Wow. The, one of the reasons we were successful is um, we asked the community what they needed mm. UX. Exactly, like, what do you, does this work for you? It's like, no, actually, we don't need this. We need the library would be better than don't put it in the homes. You know, it was that sort of thing. We went and found out what they needed, and we talked to other groups. You know, it was like, let's not duplicate efforts here. We're if we're really in it for this goal, mm-hmm. um, let's let's do that. Right, but we were for a while like an international model of community computing.
0: Because I know that, I mean, the digital divide is still a thing. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Yeah, that hasn't really, it hasn't really changed much. Yeah, so it keeps people we'll from... I think it has because everyone's on phones, but that's not... Knowing how to use Snapchat and Facebook on your phone is not is not digital literacy. Right. Um,
0: and if so. people want to apply for a job that requires a resume, you yeah. can't really do yeah. that on your phone yet. Maybe that should be invented, um, yeah. but at the moment,
1: you need a computer. You yeah. know, I there are an astonishing number of young people, young being you know late teens, early twenties, who know nothing about how to use a computer. You know, if they haven't followed a career that requires it, right for example the culinary arts really they don't even have they don't have computers much less any savvy that's interesting kind of troubling i can't imagine that life well they're gonna, the going thing is, is they're going to need it yeah they're going to need it
0: Your agency, Go Media Inc., was at the forefront of desktop publishing and using the internet for business. What do you see as the biggest downfall of most agencies,
1: and what do agencies need to do better? Um, There are still some agencies, the big agencies, who have been around a while, who still have not figured out digital. They still silo it, right? There's the computer people over, the web people over here. Um, and the other thing with smaller agencies is kind of what we were talking about before, which is the lack of focus on strategy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is, you know, they've got this whole process of discovery and pre-gerated brief and production, but it's sometimes, I don't want to qualify, not everyone, sometimes it's just lip service. Um, Whereas, like, discovery is not strategy. And I think, so I think they're not valuing strategy enough in a lot of cases. And in some cases, they're even worse. And this has always been the case. Um, they're just doing what the client wants. Right. Well, I pushing this, back want, can be hard. I want hard. this blue, you know, um, and that kind of...
0: What do you, how do you react to minuscule, seemingly minuscule, like,
1: requests like that? Um, I... I get pretty pissy about it, which is not, I'm not very diplomatic. Um, And I I try not to go (laughs) to sound like, look, I'm the designer and I know best. Um, But I will say, you know, this is not helpful. And here's what I'm trying to do for you. Mm -hmm. You need to let me do this. And we can talk about why this why this works and why that doesn't work. And Really, a client who's going to come in and say, No, I want Comic Sans, I've likely weeded them out before. Right, right, right. Yeah, usually it's not that drastic. Although it happens. It happens. Had one recently. Really? Yeah. Comic Sans. I didn't know. No, it wasn't Comic Sans. But it was, was, um, you know, I did this fabulous logo and put the business cards together and they gave me a sample and it was like completely changed. The logo was there, but everything else was completely changed. It was Times Roman. In just like this traditional layout, he mm-hmm. like, said, "Well, we just move things around." Like, you
0: know. <laughs> what did you hire me for?
1: Yeah, um, but lots of really micromanaging, and I didn't catch it. Yeah, I didn't catch it up front. Um, usually, I do because I'm not I'm not very good at dealing with that. Actually, so you just reject clients who you think are going to be micromanagers at the outset? Um, yes, because what that tells me is they're not valuing what I do right right and if they don't value what I do everything I do is going to piss them off and it's going to be too expensive and I'm going to spend as much time explaining as I am working Mm -hmm. no that's good usually I can catch that pretty quickly
0: that's good advice what's involved in your strategy
1: well um sometimes it's getting it starts with teasing out the ultimate goal what someone's trying to do whether it's we need to be um, irrelevant. Right. With, with, right. I mean, irrelevant, but we need to be not needed. Right. We need to work ourselves out
0: of a job. <laughs> right. For nonprofits. Right.
1: Or like, um, uh, APA, Austin Pets Alive. Um, and that's a, a pro bono I was doing. Started with, well, we need it. We need a new website. We need to grow up. We know our website's a pain. So I came in. It's like, okay, well, what are we trying to do with your website? First start. It's like, well, you know, get, animals adopted, get animals fostered, get donations, well, which is really important, they're all important. Right. Which is like, of course that's what the answer is, right. you know, and we just kept going back and back and like, what are the problems you're having? What are the problems you're having? And, and ultimately it came back to people want to know about these three things and other things and we don't have the staff to have a phone. Mm-hmm. We use Google Voice and transfer it from person to person. They're on call and they never answer it because they're too busy. So it goes to voicemail. And it's like, and they're asking things that should be readily available on the website. Gotcha. So it's like, okay, we're going to approach this with your goal Mm -hmm. is to not have the phone ring. We need to make information accessible enough on your website that your phone doesn't ring so much. And from there, I took apart the whole site. I mean, I actually do that kind of very old school or very old fashioned, I take post-its and every piece of information, whether it's a page or these topics, and I write one on every post-it and I put it up on the wall and start grouping things that make sense. And from there, I create an information architecture. I'm also analyzing their analytics, right? It's like, huh, well guess what? 65% of your traffic is mobile. That's why we not need to not have fifteen pictures on your homepage. Yeah, this needs to work here 1st Mm-hmm. So that you know that changes the approach. But we, you know, what's the gender? What's that? We look at all sorts of behavior flow things. Where are people dropping off? And, uh, and from there we start creating wireframes of pages, and and it's you know lots of iterative stuff there before it ever goes to design. Right, right, right. Visual to visual design. Right. hmm And I love doing that stuff. You are who I want to be when I grow
0: up. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote? And where can we find you on social media?
1: Um, I use my real name everywhere. So I'm Julie Gamal, J U L I E G O M O L L. On Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Oh, I might be Mr. Pants on Instagram.
0: There you have it, folks. Thank you for doing this podcast. This is fun.
1: Thanks for the wine.
0: Yeah, of course. (laughs) We might have an alumni uh, podcast in the future where we get everyone together (laughs) and we all drink. I'm going to need to have more microphones, but (laughs) we'll figure that out then. Cool. (laughs) All right. Signing off. This is Sam with Designers Drink.